Welcome to Show Up and Be Seen with Jen Pillipow, a podcast for highly sensitive online entrepreneurs, the coaches, healers, and creators that want to make a difference in this world. Show Up and Be Seen is about thriving with the gifts, talents, and strengths being highly sensitive brings while reducing unhealed tendencies like comparison, imposter syndrome, being hard on yourself, and more. I want to support you in creating an aligned, authentic, and sustainable business because we need more highly sensitive people just like you thriving in their lives and business. Thank you for joining me today. I'm joined with Jennifer Kelly, consultant and instructional designer who helps me break down the role of self-esteem while creating an authentically aligned and sustainable business that doesn't cause a burnout or self-abandonment. This doesn't mean that moments of low confidence, comparison, imposter syndrome, guilt, and all those things don't show up, but it won't cause you to quit or lose momentum or lead you down a shame spiral, which we know those things make it really hard to show up in your business day after day. And if you're here, it's because you want to show up and be seen because you know that's an integral component of selling your offering so you can stay in business. So this show is broken down into two episodes and you'll get to the first half here and the next half in the next episode. Enjoy. Something that really stood out for me was how it talked about self-esteem relying on evaluation, this evaluation that we're doing on ourselves, right? And it's conditional self-acceptance. So the self is accepted or perceived favorably only when certain conditions are met. And then how do we get that conditional acceptance? It's through comparison. And that is, it's not a healthy thing. Comparison is not healthy. When we compare ourselves to other people who are on a completely different trajectory journey, have totally different circumstances, backgrounds, experiences, beliefs, it's not a fair comparison ever. And so we use comparison to see how we're doing. And then a lot of times we'll probably see that we're not doing as well, depending on who we're comparing ourselves to. And that's a hit for the self-esteem. And so this is grounded, of course, in those internal and external factors, which of course makes me just think about all the subconscious programming (laughs) that feeds into those internal and external factors. Yes. And as you were talking, I was actually thinking about how sometimes we're comparing ourselves to an internal self that maybe we've created, like we have to be perfect in the first six months of business, or we have to immediately succeed, or we're comparing ourselves to an external self that perhaps someone else has created for us during our childhood or teenage years or even adulthood that could be a parent that could be an influential figure and what they want for us is what we're to go back to the subconscious maybe we're subconsciously comparing ourselves to that external self and not even realizing it and I think that's what really scares me is that we're making business decisions based on a sense of self that was either created through self-criticism or the inner critic, i.e. you have to be perfect in the first six months or you have to do X, X in order to be successful or worse still an external self created by another figure and all of their baggage and and their expectations and their wants. That's scary to me. (laughs) 
It is. And because all of those things are usually based around a fixed mindset. So you either have it or you don't, there's no point in trying it. You either have the talent or you don't, it's all or nothing. Right. And especially in starting a business, there has to be so much room for gray and there has to be so much room for mistakes and um, finding new ways when something doesn't work. Um, And so if we have this belief that, like you said, we have to be successful in six months or, um, you know, we have to make a certain amount of money and then we have these high expectations. And if they don't happen, then we think it's all lost and it's all failure But we know if we look at it with a growth mindset lens that there's so much more to be gained in that than just that one result and outcome. So the experience that is gained, what you're learning, the growth that you go through in that first little while, these are all points of success too. But again, if we're measuring ourselves against other people that did it in a certain amount of time and we didn't, we're just going to take that as a failure. Exactly. And that that really resonates with me now, of course, going through a professional setback in my business. Mm-hmm. And it also reminds me that we can have, I guess, a positive internal self. So for example, I always felt like I was born for entrepreneurship. I, I always felt that I was meant to work on my own. Even when I was working full-time, I had this strong sense that I didn't belong in a fixed environment. I was meant to be working on my own. And then when I finally did commit to working on my own and became a consultant and formed my business, it was like, oh, my positive internal self that I've always felt was there. And I've, I've created a narrative around that. Like, here she is. She's showing up. She's doing fantastic but I didn't allow room for mistakes in that internal self. So it started off positive. It was a positive image of myself and what I wanted and I fulfilled it, but yet I didn't allow for any flexibility or for mistakes. So then when I had my first professional big setback, the first in three years, I took it extremely hard and I'm still recovering from it. And maybe that's where the external, so the messages around the external self come in. I hadn't allowed for any room for mistakes. So now I'm in a fixed mindset and I've taken it so hard and the all or nothing thinking mm-hmm. has just sort of consumed me. So to go back to your point about the, the needing to make that room, even if you have a positive sense of self, like I can do this, or I'm meant to be an entrepreneur, you need to have that room for mistakes and for flexibility. Mm -hmm. Maybe it would be good to step back for a minute and just define what are the internal factors when it comes to um, when I talked about so self esteem relies on the evaluation that you're giving yourself. And we use these two things internal external factors. So you want to talk a little bit about what internal factors are and what external factors are? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. So internal factors or standards refer to your own personal beliefs or the the criteria you have for being a, in this case, a a worthy business owner or business person or entrepreneur, however you want to, to frame that. So this criteria is shaped by a lot of factors that contribute to the formation of our self concept. And that's formed through things like messages from our parents, uh, mm-hmm. peers, messages in the media, mm-hmm. our messages in religion, anything that is really 
connected to that criteria of what a worthy business person or business owner entrepreneur is. Mm -hmm. So as a consequence of this, we may form this, I guess, belief based on this criteria. It's like, oh, I have to check off all these boxes. And that's what makes me a worthy business person, owner, entrepreneur, uh, which again, can be very fixed and rigid. So that's internal. Mm -hmm. External are the standards um, that are outside of us as an individual that do the same thing. So they're a frame of reference or a list of criteria that again, define our worthiness as a business owner, person, or entrepreneur, except this time they're based on everything that's outside of us. So it could be, for example, the image we might have of a successful or great business person. And this goes back to what you said at the beginning, that self-comparison. So we're always comparing ourselves to this person who is in our minds represents successful business ownership. So in some ways, this can be very positive. But again, we if we don't have some flexibility there and how, okay, we have a positive external model, but what if we don't live up to that model? Like, that's okay. <laughs> and that's okay. where these comparisons can turn out less favorably yes. and actually experience negative feelings of low self-esteem. Yes. And when we're feeling that kind of low self-esteem, that's when other things can start to pop up like imposter syndrome, um, shame, feeling like you're not good enough. And when you're feeling those things, it's really hard to show up and it's really hard to be creative or to be flexible. It just it kind of, for me, it just creates like a shame spiral when no good comes from it. <laughs> Yes. And, and so for me, it's the, the spiral of the inner critic. So mm -hmm. yours, is, I guess it triggers the, the shame. Mine triggers my inner critic. So it's mm -hmm. just, you know, every day criticizing myself for what I view as like colossal mistakes and like seeing this path of destruction that I created myself. And then it's just spirals and spirals. Mm hmm. Okay, so I want to go back to the internal factors for a second, because I want to look at this through the subconscious lens, and oh, how yeah. it leads into external factors and creating things like imposter syndrome and self doubt in business. So with the internal factors being like, this is the messages that you're getting from your parents, from teachers, from the media, yeah. about you know, how good of a person you are, how worthy you are. And this is usually at a time when we're young. So we're like zero to 12 years old or something like that. And so of course, at this age, our conscious mind isn't fully formed. And so we're purely in the subconscious state, which is a very suggestible state, meaning that whatever people are telling you, modeling for you, showing you, you're going to take that on as, oh, this is just the way the world works. This is the truth. There's no discernment. There's no judging of it. It's just like, okay, I'll take that information and I'll move forward with it. <clears throat> and then, mm -hmm. so what happens is the subconscious sometimes couples ideas together. So it might be like, okay, if I get good grades, then I get positive attention. That means I'm a good person. I'm accepted and I'm approved of. So then all of a sudden good grades and being a good person and having a high worthiness are linked together in the subconscious. It might also be like athletic achievements. And so that's like, if I do well in a sport, 
then I'm seen as a good person. I'm accepted and those get linked. So what that's doing is it's creating a result that is making your worthiness contingent on. And we forget all about how we came into the world, about how worthiness is totally inherent. And we don't need to fight for it. We don't need to go after it. It just is. We just are. But our subconscious has now coupled all these things. And then so as we get older and we start a career or we start a business, all of a sudden it's like, okay, I know how to be worthy. I have to make money. I have to... um, you know, like you said, there might be media images of what a good entrepreneur is. You might have an idea in your mind of what that means. And you have that in your head. And if you don't reach that, you're not good enough. All of a sudden, your worthiness is in question because your subconscious is coupling those two ideas that actually don't belong together. Are you a highly sensitive coach, healer, or creative and trying to grow your business but feel stuck? Do you find yourself comparing yourself to other people and you feel like you're failing and you'll never catch up and then you're really hard on yourself? Your mindset is so much more important than your marketing or your strategy because without a mindset that's working for you, no strategy can keep you going. Curious which mindset is holding you back? Take my quiz to find out. Link in the show notes. Now let's get back to the show. How does one, I guess, evolve to a point where, like, when you say worthiness is inherent, mm-hmm. like, how do you know that, I guess, or how do we know that? Because, I you know, know we're born and we see all these models around us, like you said, who are sending us different messages and signals and we're interpreting them so early on that they become embedded in your subconscious. I feel like I understand that part and I relate to that part that I've never heard until really I met you and started following your practices is that how worthiness is already there like tell tell me a little bit how you know that and how we should know that such a good question and um there is (laughs) it's like it's like the answer to how do you be happy you just be happy how do you know you're inherently worthy you just know that you're inherently worthy (laughs) So, but let me break this down a little bit from what I've learned over the years. And because this is something that I've really struggled with. Um, My worthiness has always been really dependent on my productivity, how productive I am, how successful I am in terms of how much money am I making, um, things like that in my career, what kind of work that I do. And so I spent a lot of time trying to pull all this apart and to try to find myself in the middle of that. And something that keeps popping into my mind, it's a, it's an analogy and I'll I'll share that with you. So it's like, if you think about bees, okay, let me back up for a second. (laughs) This is going somewhere. I promise. (laughs) So, um, okay. We are, um, all made up of energy and we are all nature, right? Like we all, Actually, let me ask you about that. Do you, when I say like we're all nature, what does that mean for you? <laughs> um, I guess our our organ organic composition. I guess I kind of think of biology. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that we're all made up of cells, and we're all made up of molecules, and we're we're all nature, right? And so nature is inherently worthy and abundant. That is something that we can actually see and understand. Like we can see the millions of blades of grass it takes to make up a front yard. We can see the millions of leaves on a tree that make a tree. Um, 
the millions of raindrops, like it's so abundant. And when we are in a season of fall and the leaves start falling off the trees, we don't think that the tree is less worthy because it's losing its leaves. We just know that it's in a different season and we trust that the leaves are going to grow back. So mm-hmm. we can look at nature and we can see that it's it's inherently worthy. We're not going to judge it for losing all its leaves and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> What's happening to your leaves? I can't even call you a tree anymore. Who are you even? <laughs> and, okay, yeah. continue. And then I'll... <laughs> um, no, what's your thought? And then I'll continue. Well, I just wanted to, so the connection is nature then. Because yeah. we um organic or made up of the same compounds as the tree that you spoke of or other elements of nature. Mm-hmm. That's the connection then. Yes. And so if we use bees as an example, you know, a bee goes to the flower and gets the nectar and then Mm. spreads the pollen, makes other flowers grow and it brings it back to the, okay, I don't really know a lot about bees, but it goes back to the hive and it creates honey, right? And so the bee isn't thinking, oh, I don't deserve to have nectar. Oh, I don't deserve pollen. Oh, I shouldn't be making honey. I'm just not good enough. The bee just knows that that's what it's supposed to do. It just goes to the flower and it goes to the beehive and it makes honey and it does all these things and it doesn't question its worthiness. And so sometimes I like to think of it like that, where it's like, you know, I have all these soul desires and it's not for me to question my worthiness if I deserve them or not. It's for me just to follow through with them. And Okay, so what's going through your mind now? <laughs> you know, I'm. It's it's actually kind of foolish, or it might it might sound like um a child or something, but it's like I guess like it's so much more complex for us. Like the the bees don't have yeah, <laughs> like yeah. other bees who are sending it negative messages. Like, <laughs> like and it goes back to the inherent inherent worthiness and realizing that the rest of it has just been molded for us by people around us Mm -hmm. um and then getting back in touch with that I would think would be very difficult and is that where some of the hypnotherapy work yes yes okay that's that's a good segue so um I always say with awareness comes choice and with choice comes change. So we can have an awareness that, okay, I'm supposed to be inherently worthy, but I just don't feel it. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Like that. I understand. Um, and, and we can kind of see the analogies, but until we feel it inside, it's hard to connect with. And the way that we need to connect to it is by understanding where the messaging went wrong and to have an awareness around that. And so when we're talking about those internal factors and those messages coming from parents, et cetera, you know, those are parents, they're basically regurgitating messages they got from their parents who got it from their parents, et cetera, et cetera. And so if we can have an analytical eye with this and say, oh, Like that's actually not necessarily true what they're saying, you know, that my worthiness is based on good grades. Um, And, and we can have an awareness around that. And then we can start to look for examples in our lives where it could be different, where we could base our worthiness on something else. Now that basing worthiness on something else, that could be something that is just inherently you. So the way that I think about it is like all my shadow parts, all the parts that I don't like that I try to hide all the good parts of me that I do like, these all make me worthy. 
even the bad stuff, right? Because the way that I show up as just me, when I'm able to be authentic, other people are going to react and respond to that. And maybe it's good. And maybe sometimes it's bad. Maybe it triggers them, but it's important that they're triggered because they need to know where to work on themselves and they need that mirror. So that part of me is still worthy in some way. I I do. I connect, I connect what you're saying. I, I do feel like I understand those links for me. Like, how would you, like, how can you regularly practice, I guess, mm. reconnecting? Mm, yeah. So <laughs> I, this is where I feel like hypnotherapy mm. uh, and generational healing is really yes. important yeah. because, um, you know, we can have an awareness at a conscious level, but again, that's really only five or 10% of our whole operating system. So when we can get into that slower brainwave in a hypnotic state, the beliefs that we're wanting to believe are more readily accepted because we're in that suggestible subconscious mind, just like when we're kids. So we can overwrite that stuff. But, you know, um, I will say that working on worthiness with hypnotherapy, this is not a one and done session. This does take time to peel the layers and understand like, what is yours? What did you pick up in childhood? What did you pick up? Um, what are you carrying generationally? What did, what is just living in your DNA because you're, um, you've just inherited it. And, and I, mm-hmm. how is that interfering with That's your not not ability because I guess your confidence and motivation to yes your business yes yeah. because if we if we don't feel like we're good enough if we're not getting the results that we want which is so typical in business especially for new entrepreneurs mm-hmm. then um it can very quickly turn into oh I didn't do something wrong I just am wrong which slides us into shame exactly. and out of guilt and if we're feeling shame, like if you just think about like your body posture, like your shoulders slump, you're looking down, your chin might be pointed down, you might get like muscle tension, you're not breathing very deeply, you're not in a good state to be able to show up in your business and do something that's new and hard and scary. You're not going to be able to create, you're creating a whole bunch of dysregulation in your body that can lead to, you know, being more susceptible to getting sick. Like there's a whole bunch of things that it could lead to there's so many layers I mean I I feel like we almost need to bring our our listeners I guess back to how this is connected to what we first started talking to the internal external selves Mm -hmm. and I feel like we explain those well and I think the the real depth that you brought is showing how these are products of our subconscious and that unless we peel back those layers and dig in there and see how they're informing the choices we make, the mentality we have and the thoughts that we have about ourselves and and about our business, it's going to be challenging and we're going to be more likely to slip into those spirals of whether it's shame, like you said, for you or being the inner critic. Mm -hmm. And to me, the spectrum is so, so wide there. It's a, you know, and it's like you said, it's not going to be a quick fix and, Mm -hmm. and it takes a lot of hard work and consciously reminding yourself, like consciously reminding the subconscious. (laughs) Yeah. And and 
wonder if how much, I guess, daily self-talk has a, a impact there. Yeah, I think um, so I, I do look at it as a few layers. Like I look at it as the conscious mindset. So we're in we're in our work and we can hear that inner critic voice coming up. That's like a daily thing I feel like needs to be constantly addressed mm-hmm. for me anyway, <laughs> especially Definitely. if I'm creating something new. And then there's the subconscious component and then there's, there's the generational component. And those ones I, I feel like is more like maybe you want to touch on those um, depending on what layer you're at, maybe once a week or maybe once a month, depending mm-hmm. on where you're at. And just for that ongoing understanding of what layer is being revealed to me, what am I understanding now about myself um, and changing that at the subconscious level. And then you may still need to do the mindset work at the conscious level with the inner critic voices, or maybe not. Sometimes the subconscious does clear some of that, just depending on how deep the layers go. Yeah. You know, it's bringing up for me a appointment I just had recently with a sports therapist. And we were talking about my knee condition, which I have a cartilage condition that I've had for you know, 20 plus years. And, and I've tried different ways to cope with it. I've tried different treatment methods and it's all been focused on the the cartilage piece, right? Like trying to either minimize the pain of the cartilage damage or fix the cartilage damage. So now I I do have a point here. (laughs) No, it's it's me who's kind of, you had your bees. I have knees. You had your, your bees moment, I have my knees moment, but it is connecting back. Just struck me as, as, I guess, an analogy for what you just said. So anyway, over this, you know, these two decades, I focused heavily on the cartilage piece, right? And she was the first person or the first practitioner I've ever had that was like, have you ever thought about, I guess, the the why or the layers or the decisions or the muscle imbalances that mm-hmm. led to having this in the first place Mm -hmm. and actually concentrating on working and improving that, which in turn (laughs) will benefit any of the treatments for the cartilage piece. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. This is what I work on with my physiotherapist, all my imbalances. (laughs) Well, let's see, I had never really connected those two. And I think that's a trap sometimes we fall into, like I'm looking for the quick fix, right? So I want the the yes. action right away. I want the quick yes. fix right away. And I wonder how many times we do this in business. It's mm-hmm. like, well, I just want to make money or I want to reach my definition of success without digging in yes. <laughs> to all of this subconscious, yes. I guess, material and messages yeah. that actually shaping the, the mindset or emotional condition that we find ourselves in as we run the business so it's hard to do the the last one first and I think I think that's a real key lesson here yeah okay and so what I wanted to say around that is um there are so many coaches and programs out there that will tell you step by step what to do because it worked for them right Mm -hmm. and and if we try to follow that, this is what I did when I first started business. I tried to follow it and I quickly realized it was not going to be sustainable for me because it's not authentic to my energy or to who I am or how I work. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's, there's one way to, there's more than lots of ways to build a business, right? But if we break this down into two really broad generalized categories, it's like 
there's one um, way to build a business where it's just like, you just follow somebody else's steps and you just, um, you know, set your own personality aside and just do it their way or the other way, which is to do it authentically in a way that aligns with your energy, with the way that you work with what you want to do and how you want to do it. I mean, like I've been in programs where they will, the coaches will just give you email templates and you just like put in the blanks. Like it is that cookie cutter and that just never, ever worked for me. And so, um, yeah, I tried the quick fix way first too. (laughs) And then I realized, ah, this isn't going to work for me. And, um, you know, how am I going to do it authentically and with my voice? And the biggest hurdle that I ran into was I was not being authentic or using my voice in my real life. How am I going to show up online on my, with my business? I'm not even doing that in my real life. That must've been a really transformational moment when you realize that. (laughs) Well, it, it felt terrible because it was like, you know, I had people who know me in my life following me online. And I remember thinking, they're not going to know who this is because I, mm. you know, and it brought up a lot of shame. Like, again, I always just go back to shame. That's just my generational story that I've been unraveling. I didn't seek out any business coaches or advisors, advisors, sorry, in the beginning because of this external self that I, I guess, had created and felt very deeply about like, mm-hmm. oh, I was born to have my own business. I was born to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. And it sounds very positive, right? Because then I went and did it and it feels yeah. very organic and it feels yeah. very natural. And I'm not saying that that's not real, but I think again, because of my inflexibility around that external self and not kind of digging in where maybe some of uh, the subconscious, how the subconscious formed that, and even looking at maybe the negative or limiting beliefs around that has sort of, it's almost enabled, not, not the word enabled. I'm trying to say like, it, it hasn't helped me then cope for when that external self has been, self has been shaken. Interesting. And, yeah. Right. And I think that's because I didn't, or I haven't thought about kind of where those subconscious messages, whether positive or negative, came into effect. Um, and I guess what role the subconscious would have to play in the dismantling of that external self, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Because immediately, as soon as I made a mistake or as soon as I had a setback, the positive external self, i.e., I meant to be an entrepreneur, it just disappeared. It oh. was like, you know, I was just saying all these negative things to myself it's like all of that disappeared it evaporated oh interesting yeah and I think that's the subconscious at work right and the subconscious messages for me would probably be that you're not good enough or you're not worthy and and even though my external self was Mm -hmm. positive and Mm -hmm. felt very natural to me and very fulfilling as soon as I deviated from that external self, i.e. I didn't allow to have any flexibility or to make mistakes in that self, immediately I reverted just like that to what I feel now are the subconscious messages Mm. of you're not good enough. Yeah, that's interesting how it all just got wiped away. Yeah. And I think, and I've never thought about this really until our conversations and of course, hearing about what you practice and things that 
I guess your knowledge around this, I had never really thought about the connection because it's so automatic, right? It's just such an automatic response. And, but really that's been rooted in my subconscious, I think, well, all my life. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to have that self-compassion and that room to make these mistakes and to not, I guess, immediately give ourselves away to the subconscious. And that to me traces back to the the methodology and the practices that can help us unpack those layers so that when it does come up, we're better prepared to go back to the me analogy. We're better prepared to to cope and to, to face the challenge. Thank you for joining us for part one of this conversation. In the next part, in the next episode, we're going to be talking about how to create more of an awareness for that inherent worthiness and how to get on that upward cycle. So join us in the next episode for information on how to move forward. Thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed this podcast, one way to support me is to subscribe and leave a review because this will help more people find my work. If you're interested in the Show Up and Be Seen group online program, head over to the show notes or visit my Instagram page for the link to receive more information. This podcast is recorded in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional land of the Cree people and the homeland of the Métis Nation. If you're not sure whose land you're on, I invite you to get curious by visiting native-land.ca.